Hi guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host per usual, my name is Marcelo Nestroza, and welcome to episode number 100, entitled The Military Brat. Alright guys, so we have finally made it to the go- the, the golden egg of, you know, podcasting episodes I would just like to say up front, before we kick off the 100th episode, if you've been here since day one listening, I cannot tell you how much that means to me that you guys would actually want to listen on a week-to-week basis, that you guys would want to just hear me talk about my life, my issues that I go through as a disabled person, and some of the magnificent people that I speak to. Thank you so, so much if you've been here since the beginning. But if if you subscribed to my show recently uh, because, you know, you got curious and you wanted a new show to listen to on your daily drive to work or to wherever it is you're going, thank you so much for subscribing to my show and thank you for being a part of my podcast journey. I really, really appreciate it. Um, the The five years that I've been doing podcasting, has been a journey of successes, failures, frustrations, and it's just been really, really fulfilling. And I've been able to reach certain emotional plateaus that I wouldn't have been able to reach otherwise if I hadn't have started this show. And yeah, I've met so many interesting people because of it, some of which you've heard on the show and some of which you haven't heard on the show. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the support that you've given me and hopefully that you will continue to give me as the podcast move forward, as the podcast moves forward into the future. All right, guys. So without any further ado, here now is the 100th episode of the Red Wall Podcast entitled The Military Brat. Welcome to the Red Wall Rachel, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm glad we were like able to finally make this happen. We've been trying to connect for what is it like a year? It's something like that. I I'll just say my job before the job I have now was the hours were not conducive to like topping up the people's podcast because it went, went really late. For a second there, I was losing hope. I was like, oh, like she like I was like she sounds interested. I learned a long time ago, like to not push people into things. That's fair. So I reached a certain point where I said, if she wants to be on, it'll happen. Okay. I'm going to ask her one more time. I'm so glad you asked again. And then part of the reason I looked for a new job was the hours of the old job were just, I didn't have time to do anything, any of my projects outside of work. I I'm so glad you ha- like asked again because I like I felt bad because I was like, oh no, I don't even know if he's still doing interviews if he's interested. You are like a social media consultant, right? Yeah, I'm doing that. That's not. Um, I'm gonna be a little vague about what I do currently. I I would say I'm a contractor that does work with a major company, and I still love doing work in social media, and I'm still doing that a little bit on the side. It, however. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. People do not always want to pay for that the way they should or don't 
want you to be available all the time to like answer tech like tweets and stuff like that but don't necessarily want to pay you the way you need to be paid if you are always on in that way or have like a team i have two podcasts and i try and do my best with the social media angle of it but i'm not like like i'm not a social media expert or i don't i don't get paid for yeah. it but i i gather if i would get a social media consultant like you've been in the past i think that my commercials would be better or not, but I don't have the funds to hire somebody like that. Yeah, it's interesting that I was trying... I don't know, maybe I should try and like work for a major company, but I would say um, I was doing like work with like a smaller brand, and I don't know that we couldn't really come to an agreement on like what exactly was expected of me slash what was um and oftentimes just another problem with social media is they people expect direct results from a product that is not designed for direct results social media um is a little bit more about like hey we're trying to like build the brand so people will like remember you later and someone's like people didn't click this link and directly buy from this i was like that's not necessarily what you're going for all the time of advertising. I think one of your main goals with advertising is just to let people know that you exist. Yeah. And not to necessarily sell a product. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, uh, a conversation I've had with many different people and it kind of led to me being like, maybe this shouldn't be my sole source of income. But when you went to school, did you know that you were going to be like, uh, for the most part, a social media consultant, or did you want to do something else with your life? When I started college, I was not positive what I wanted to do at all. I went, I think I, like, officially when I started college, I said undecided, and I was thinking I was going to be an English major, and then I had the realization that I didn't want to be an English professor, uh, which is kind of, like, the only, like... With an English degree, a lot of them, um, that's kind of like what they're leading you to. Like, hey, we're just going to spend your entire life in academia. And I was like, oh, that's not what I wanted. And so what I ended up, one, this is like a very roundabout story, but I was really getting into social media and I was really into the web show, The Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is based off Ryan Prejudice. But one thing they did is like all the like characters had Twitter accounts and it was transmedia and like you could like interact with them. And that's what I kind of realized. I was like, Oh, it's a job to be on social media. Like these people are running it. And that's what made me like switch to a mass. My degree is mass communications with a focus on electronic media. You mentioned that you wanted to be, um, that you were looking to be like a professor or an English teacher. I yeah. could, I could, I could see you like that because based on, I, I know a little bit about what you like, and I'm like, she would be an awesome teacher. I mean, she was like, I so my mom's a teacher. Um, I think I could, I think I could do older. My mom's a kindergarten teacher. I could not do that. I don't know that my mom could have survived solely on her teaching income. As a person who, I think the teaching the 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 education system failed me personally. As someone who went through the cracks. 
and sort of graduated high school unprepared for life, I certainly agree with you that the American teaching system is in shambles. And I think that yeah. I think that schools in general and teachers in general should be treated like kings. Friends that are teachers and some of them like they work summer jobs or they work weekend jobs because I was like this is a job that requires like like a higher education. It should pay like it requires higher education. You grew up in a very unique and special kind of way. You were the member of a military family. I moved nine times before I started high school. The record, that is abnormal for a military brat. I moved a lot. That's like, there are military brats that move more than me, but that is not the norm. And I, I spent most of my childhood overseas because my, my dad was in the JAG Corps, which uh, he's a lawyer, and his focus is international law. So thus, why overseas a lot? It's funny because I, when I was older, learned that he's like, my, my, you know, some, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really pay attention to what your parents do. And he was like, yeah, my focus is international law, and I was like, this explains my childhood so much. Like, <laughs> why we were never here. Um, was my favorite thing is I lived all of these exotic places, and I was born in Lubbock, Texas. My 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 old one of my older brothers was born in Germany though. My my family lived in Germany before I was born. You've been all over the world, but you're a Texas girl. Yeah, I I don't remember Lubbock. Um, I mean, I've been to Lubbock since then, but mm-hmm. I don't remember living in Lubbock. We moved before my first birthday. Was it really hard for you to cultivate relationships with other people since you moved so much? One of the reasons I think I liked social media so much is like when I was younger, younger, I just lost contact with people like, you know, when we don't really have phone numbers yet, we barely had email. And now like all of my high school friends that are spread out across the world, because a lot of a lot of military brass end up joining the military. Like that's the culture they're exposed to. That's the culture they know. Or um or a lot of my friends ended up marrying someone who was in the military. Um, but I'm able to like keep up with them because like we're all we all have each other on Facebook. It's weird in like the sense where like I know people like you know, they've had friends since kindergarten and I was like, I have no idea where my kindergarten friends are. <laughs> I mean, I was like, that'd be interesting to figure that out, but I have no idea. Military likes to marry military or or military families like to follow mm-hmm. in the tradition to become, you know, second generation, third generation military people. Now, I have a lot of respect for, you know, the military because I love the military. I think that, I think what they do is great. And I have, I have so much pride for uh, the American military in particular. Um, Especially JAG lawyers. I like lawyers. Uh, And, and I'm totally not, yeah, I'm totally not massaging you right now. I do like JAG lawyers. Uh, but that's because of the show, not because. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I was telling you earlier, my dad, when Jag first came out, so we lived in Greece when I was really young. And we lived in Greece when there was still a bit of like a terrorism problem. And mm-hmm. so my dad, for the only time I know of, wore like a bulletproof vest. He, they like staggered his pickup time and drop off time. And he had, like, a gun. Well, the best part is they gave my dad a gun and then didn't give him a lockbox. For the record, I was three. And my mom was Uh like, you're not allowed to have a gun in the house of the toddler without a lockbox. 
They didn't give him a, how did they not give him a lockbox? I don't, they but he eventually, he eventually was like, give me a lockbox. And they gave him one. I don't know why it took my mom pointing out there was a toddler in the house. Oh my I also God. feel like even if it's just adults in the house, lockbox good for gun. Yeah, that is so dangerous. For, that's basic gun safety. Like I'm not like, a, like I, I don't own any guns or anything like that, but uh, that's base. like even I know that's basic gun yeah, safety. Yeah, that's basic safety, yeah. Um, but when Jag came out, and they, he was like, please, I'm the only Jag that goes running around with a gun. That was my dad's response. <laughs> Jag sort of gave birth to a whole genre of military uh, Navy shows with NCIS. I do like a procedural show. I don't, sometimes military shows, I, it's a thing where if something hits too close to home, it can be hard to enjoy. Where, uh, when they're like, yeah, I'm a colonel in the military, and they go to the most lavish ma- mansion you've ever seen, and I was like, no one in the military lives like that. No. I mean, maybe a general does, mm-hmm. but even, like, general housing on base, the they do have, like, bigger houses, but for the most part, they have more entertaining space, because, like, when dignitaries come to the base, they entertain them. Mm-hmm. They're like, bedrooms are just as tiny as the rest of ours. When you lived in several different places as a child, you like you just said, you or you said earlier, you moved like nine times. Mm-hmm. Like, was it difficult for you to like deal with the language barriers? I lived on, for the most part, if um, if we were living in not the U.S., we lived on a base, and so okay. I would go to a base school. So I wasn't having to like learn a second language for like education. And so that is a very different, it's very, like, I've heard the, uh, like, third culture used for military brats. Cause, and then I, I tried. So I lived in Japan the longest, and I, I tried to learn Japanese. I was not very good. I, I say I got a pity bee in Japanese one. showed up every day, and I was like, I do not understand this at all. In my defense, the year I took Japanese one was also the year of that massive earthquake, and that was slightly disrupting to my education. I, there was just a lot happening. But there was also this thing where, especially in, so if I was like in Europe, I think there'd be the thing where people would assume I would speak the language because I, you know, look, I mean, I'm European descendant. I look vaguely European. In Asia, if I walked around, people would be like, the white girl probably doesn't speak Japanese. And oftentimes, um, people in Japan learn English in school and sometimes people be excited to like practice their English or they speak better English than I speak Japanese so it makes sense to like have to say something in Japanese and I'd be like no no we're not doing that. I did have friends where I had a friend who was half Korean and I remember going out with her in Japan and then people would try to speak Japanese to her she'd be like I am not Japanese like I can't imagine living in so many places like that would be like very disorienting to me i don't think i would trade my like childhood for anything i want i traveled way more than like most of the people i know i um i like also i feel like i've met like i've met people who've never left never left the u.s never left texas like i like my appreciation for other cultures i Mm -hmm. Like that, I understand that other pe- other people don't do things the way Americans do all the time. That there are just different things, or um, also like traveling. The food is great of Japanese food. I it is like my favorite thing to eat. 
it is sometimes I wouldn't know what I was ordering. I'd be like, I don't know. That looks like the only thing I really have is that I have trouble digesting bananas and avocados. So not and which is not the, not common things in Japanese cuisine. So that was good. And so I would look. I was like, I don't see any avocado. I'll try that. If I if like. Um, my mom has always said, like, thank God none of, none of us had major food allergies because I don't, like, if I was, like, allergic to something that was, like, an ingredient in a lot of things and you couldn't tell, I don't know how we would have, like, traveled. Where was your favorite place to live? In? Japan. And I think the thing I loved about Japan is I was a little old, like, I was middle school and high school. Like, I graduated high school in Japan. Um, Japan and so what that meant, though, is it was the first time I was really able to, like, go do things off base, like, around the culture, like, without my parents. And, like, I love my parents, obviously, but there is something really cool about being able to explore another, con- like, country, like, with your friends. Mm-hmm. Like, my friends and I, and Japan is a relatively safe place, and so, like, my friends and I took the train and just, like, went to Disneyland a couple times. What? Yeah, That's we went awesome. to, like, Tokyo Disneyland. Um, That's awesome. I think really, I think two or three times. I did it did it more than once, but it was like one. And you know, it's it's just different going to like exploring with like your peers as opposed to like you know your parents are like yeah like say if you're souvenir shopping, your parents are like you know probably a little bit more responsible. You probably should be listening to them more. But you're like, I just want to have fun. Doing things without your parents for the first time, it's like a feeling of euphoria and freedom. It's like, it's like the first time that you, it's like the first time you buy an apartment or you buy a house. Mm -hmm. It's like having a cheeseburger by yourself for the first time. It's like, this cheeseburger must taste like crap, but it's right now it tastes like the best cheeseburger ever because you're having it by yourself. There are still sometimes where I'm like thinking, like, should I buy something? Or like, can I buy something? And I went, wait, I'm an adult. I make my own choices. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yeah. That's how I end up with things like the Jordy Bear, but you know, I will say the weirdest thing about living overseas, running into people in the U.S. that I knew from other countries, bizarre. I think it's really happened to me twice. One, one I did know they were in Austin when I went. I there was uh, we had family friends who I knew were visiting like their grandparents in Austin, and we. But we knew each other from Japan, and we both went into the Apple store the same day, and we're like, hey! Uh, the weirdest is I once... So we did these um, school trips that we, we called all our like school competitions Far East, because we were in the Far East. I don't... But I did Far East drama, and I... There was a girl I met. She was from another school. I think she went to one of the schools in Korea. Um, and like we, we hit it off fine, but we didn't talk that much. If we had perhaps if we had asked a couple more questions, we would have put together that we were going to the same college. I go and I there was like one girl I, I went to Texas State, which is uh in a tech uh, in Texas, it's in San Marcos. And there was one girl I had known when I I'd lived in San Antonio at one point and I, she was at Texas State with me and she's like, Oh, like we should come hang out. She knew I like didn't know anybody there. Um, and she was like, oh, let me introduce you to one of, like, the people, a couple people in my, like, hallway of the dorm rooms. And she knocks on the door, and the girl from Korea comes out. Oh and we just God. stared at each other for a second. We're like, what the fuck? Like, and we're just like, wow. hey! 
And then she's like, how do you know her? I was like, uh, I met her in Korea. Like, <laughs> Wow, that is so awkward. It's and so, so, so weird. I've like ran into her a couple times. I like, should I, I wish I kept a little better contact with her, but that moment of like, again, someone I had met on the other side of the world did, had no idea she was in Texas. Did you at any point in your life think, I want to serve and I want to do I, this? Or I would say no, but more for uh, health reasons that I probably wouldn't have been accepted in the military. One being glasses. Right. Um, I've had LASIK now. These are blue light glasses, but um, I had like a lazy eye. Like my, I never trailed. And I also like I took medication for ADHD and I generally do not let people who do that in the military. My brothers also, I, my, one of my brothers, I always have the joke. He's like, I did my time. I put my service in. Oh, he actually went in? Dad. No, he said he put a service in moving around with my dad. Okay. 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 Yeah. He, and he's not claiming he actually served. He just, when people ask, why didn't you serve? Right. Right. Because that, that's something you don't do. Even I know that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like if any of us, um, although my mom had always told us, she was like, oh, if you're going to serve, she's like get get them like get them to pay for college for you if you're gonna serve i think i'm gonna get to the point of our connected tissue and how you and i sort of met and the thing that brings us together mm-hmm. it's a thing that is very very psychotic for some people <laughs> and for <laughs> like-minded people we love it but we're not we're not hopping up and down when other people don't agree with us and yeah. the thing that the thing that brings us together or is the connective tissue between both of us is our love of Star Trek. Now, I yes. have a lot of Star Trek people on my podcast. As a matter of fact, I had your friend and co-host of your discotheque podcast. I have I had Marcy on the podcast a little mm-hmm. while back. And I asked her, what was her first point of connection with Star Trek? And what was it about that particular franchise that resonate with her so much what what was it for you so i think the earliest is like my dad had these random episodes of tos on dvd i i want to know if he still has these because i like don't understand what the setup was these it had like four episodes per disc and it was random episodes yeah i'll yeah i'll tell i'll tell you about that uh before um because you're obviously a lot younger than me but before uh before you know streaming happened mm-hmm. and before dvds were a thing they had these like like exclusive box sets where they would take a slither of episodes that were connected to each other yeah. and then put them on one disc or, or one vhs I, so it was definitely dvds the main reason being that dvds take up a lot less room when we were moving every two years <laughs> the practicality of them people all say something about having a dvd and they said what do you mean the dvd and i was like no no i know it's weird i'm not i was like i'm not that much younger than you because i remember being very young trying to figure out how to set the dvd up and just being like dad do it one day my brother my dad and i my i think both my brothers were there and i was not feeling all so for some reason we ended up watching star trek and i was like really into it but i won't say that's like the moment where and then that was like off and on stuff like that but then when I really got into it was in middle school, which I feel like is the perfect age to get into Star Trek. Well, especially, I feel like it's younger now with like Prodigy. 
because I feel like as much as I love Star Trek for like a really energetic kid, it can be a little like TNG can be a little slow paced. But I, when I would get home from middle school, like my brothers were doing sports and one brother was supposed to do drama. Um, and so I had the TV to myself for about an hour. And Spike TV played reruns of TNG. And I think these Space Nine as well, and maybe others. But I only had the TV for about an hour. So I would watch an episode of TNG and someone else would take over the remote. because. But I became obsessed with that one hour of TNG I got to watch. And I was like only really supposed to be watching TV on Fridays, but someone, you know, would try to sneak it in. Became genuinely obsessed. And I, I was also like <laughs> obsessed with like Disney princesses and very feminine things. So my mom would be like, what, what child is this? Oh, my God. That is so crazy yeah. that even as a child, you, you know, you got obsessed with TNG, but you also had, you know, the very girly side of you, be it obsessed yeah, with books and things like that. I I'm trying to think like what specifically at that age because Jane Austen was later than yeah. that that was like high school but mm-hmm. um I yeah I mean princesses at that time like even like I enjoy Star Wars but you know when I was younger I was definitely uh I want to be Princess Leia Star Trek for me has always been there like mm-hmm. I remember watching the original series movies as a kid. But I really didn't get into Star Trek until, really, really get into it until Netflix came along. I was able to watch all the series from start to finish on Netflix. I don't I, because I used to, I would say I used to be a, I enjoy all of Star Trek, but I like love TNG. And I got more into the other series, which are more serialized, especially like Deep Space Nine, when with Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I, because I, so when Netflix first came out streaming wise, um, it wasn't in Japan yet, and I was, so, yeah. so it wasn't till I moved to the the states for college, and my brother was like, "Here's my Netflix password," and I said, oh "Thank God. you," and that's what I watched Deep Space Nine. Wow. Okay. No, actually, uh, you want to know something funny? As a kid, I like my favorite Star Trek. One of my favorite Star Trek movies. Or it's like my third favorite Star Trek movie is uh, Star Trek uh, Generations, right? Mm-hmm. And early on in Generations, there's this joke where Data goes, he starts laughing hysterically because his emotion chips is on the fritz, right? Yeah. And he goes, he goes to Jordy, you remember that joke that you, that you remember that joke that you said seven years ago where it was you, Commander, on the bridge and you, tr- and you were talking about this oh, yeah. far That's... point thing? Yeah. And he was like, I finally got it. And Jordy goes, Tata, that was seven years ago. And as a kid, I never understood that joke. But when I watched TNG and the first episode is Encounter Our Far Point, I was like, oh, that's I was like, oh, the joke. the first episode. Yeah. I, um, yeah, my, my dad also, my dad had the TNG movies on DVD around the Spike TV thing. So I, I watched... Well, not all of them. Nemesis wasn't out yet, but I watched those. And I I nev- did not see Nemesis in the theaters at, at some point. I was too like young and the internet wasn't as like available. So I didn't know a Star Trek movie was coming out until someone was like, a Star Trek movie came out. I was like, why did nobody tell me? It was yeah. like that, that meme of why did nobody tell me? Except people actually needed to tell you, otherwise you wouldn't know. I remember watching the commercial for... Star Trek First Contact on the VHS copy of Mission Impossible, 
the original Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Seeing Star Trek from a movie aspect, I really didn't fall in love with the characters until I saw the further adventures of TNG. Yeah. Right. Like, like TNG is my favorite Star Trek. So mm-hmm. I just... TNG is definitely has a soft spot in my heart. Right. But uh, I think Deep Space Nine might be my favorite. Oh, good, good. I yeah. mean, I mean, for me, it's TNG and Deep Space Nine right now. But come to me in about five years. And it'll probably be, I mean, knock on wood, it'll probably be, of the new stuff, it'll probably be uh, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. and then Discovery, d- depending yeah. on what else we get. Um, but... I really fell in love with Star. I, I really fell in love with Star Trek when my first experience watching Star Trek on the big stream was Star Trek 09. I mm-hmm. like like that was my way back in. I never saw Star Trek 09 in the movie theater, and I don't like. I don't know why we didn't like this film because this is me trying to like put the memories from like childhood. I'm like, why didn't we go see that in the movie theater? That seems weird that we didn't. Um, but I watched it for the first time on an airplane, which is why I think I was like, we must have been moving. And that's the first time I like had a moment and I was like, it's here. I could watch it. And I loved it. But, uh, you know, yeah. I appreciate it more. Not on, not on an airplane. <laughs> not an airplane. <laughs> yeah. no, I, you know, I look, I look, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the first guy to tell you that new Star Trek isn't like. The Star Trek that you that that you grew up on and I grew up mm-hmm. on, because new Star Trek is more pew pew pew, right? Yeah, um, which is fine. It's totally fine. But I'm under the opinion that Star Trek deserves to grow and change with yeah. the times that it's made in, and mm-hmm. a lot of people a lot of people are uncomfortable with that, and they want Star Trek to be in a certain I, box, and I don't think it should be that way. I have very similar opinions on Star Trek as I do on like Jane Austen adaptations where I'm like, where people want them to stay exactly the same. And I was like, but we already have that. Uh We should like, if you're just going to make a carbon copy of something, why make it? Like how I feel about like revivals of like Broadway shows. Like if you're just going to like put it on exactly the same way it was 20 years ago, why? Mm -hmm. There's no point to that. You Mm -hmm. should, grow see ch- like change is good i mean this is not a problem but this is just a thing about me and i want to i want to hear how you feel about this i have a big problem with fans who are so happy to have one thing that no matter what they get they'll like it i feel like if you like if you're a fan of something you should also be able to see the flaws mm-hmm. and but there's also a problem where with some of the criticisms lobbied at something like Discovery, there are Discovery is not a perfect show. No, there are legitimate like criticisms to be have about Discovery. However, a lot of the criticisms that people have for Discovery are not criticisms; they just don't like that there's black women on screen. Mm-hmm. And so it's always a thing when people start criticizing Discovery. You have to sit there being like, "Is your criticism legitimate, or are you just being racist?" It's funny once someone was like, oh, not Discovery is not my favorite. And I was like, mm. and they're like, I'm just not big into time travel stories. And I'm like, that's a fair. That's a valid. I love time travel stories, but that's a valid thing. If you don't like time travel stories, mm-hmm. Discovery likes to hop around a lot. The thing about Discovery season one to me was it was fine, but it was such a departure 
mm-hmm. from what I was used to where I needed a minute to, to say, wow, this is yeah. the new thing that we're getting. And I had to get used to it. I think, yeah, there's definitely that. And I also feel that there was a couple... I feel like Discovery Season 1 would have been better if they didn't split it up the way they did, where have, like, months in between the two halves of the season. They Did they do that? I can't remember. Did they they did, because I remember specifically, I... There was a month break, and I was traveling in Australia when the second half of the season came out. Wow, in Australia. Holy crap. Uh, I have an online friend who's Australian, and I was visiting her. How cool. And we were, we did like this road trip and there was one day we had like off time and I was like, and I had already gotten spoiled. It's that like they, they, the season ends with like, where are we? And then the next episode months later is like, we're in the mirror universe. And the mirror universe thing had already been spoiled for me because people were tweeting about it. <laughs> but what didn't get spoiled to me in that same episode is where Culver dies in quotation oh. marks. Cause you know, that gets fixed. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I was watching when my two friends are talking, and I'm just watching with my headphones on, and apparently I gasped so hard at Culver dying. Oh, my God. And they're just like, what the hell? Are you okay? Yeah, and I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, no, a character just died. I was like, I was really unexpected. And he also dies pretty violently. Yeah. Yeah, he really But the thing did. is, see, the Australian friend has pretty recently watched Discovery. And she actually yeah. she loved Discovery. But the weird thing is, she is like just decided to watch Discovery on her own. I didn't tell her to or anything. A season and a half in, so I she had asked me where to start in Star Trek, and that she had kept saying how cool Janeway seemed, and I was like, just start with Voyager then. If like if you just are really relating, she's watching through TNG now. If you're really relating, just I feel like you should. This might be. I don't have a like. This has to be the Star Trek you start with. I just start people on the Star Trek I think they would enjoy the most, because that's probably the best way to bring them in. Um, but she just decided to watch Discovery. And was a season and a half in, and she was like, by the way, I've been watching Discovery. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, But then I told her, I was like, hey, you remember when like Colbert died? And she was like, yeah, I'm so glad that got fixed. I was like, yeah, that's why I gasped like four years ago. During the pandemic, when we all were going through hell, I had a mm-hmm. friend who was going through a very, very difficult time in the country that she lived in. She couldn't move or leave. It was kind of martial law where she was. Yeah. And she needed something to make her feel better. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? You should try and watch TNG. A lot of people I know watch TNG for the first time. It's so calming. The first couple of times that she started watching the show, I said, listen, if you're, I warned her. I said, if you're going to watch TNG, it's very, very 80s mm-hmm. and very, very slow. So I just said, I... I just said that. And the first couple of messages were like, oh, this is interesting. But the next two were like, oh, my God, I love the show. Thank you so much for, for giving it to me. The so, show is amazing. And I love it. I have a list. That I don't think I've ever shared this online, like publicly, publicly. It is a list of which episodes to skip of TNG the first two seasons. <laughs> um, the fir- for the first for the record, the first episode on that list is, Co- is Code of Honor. <laughs> I know Code of Honor just because mm, racist. I <laughs> I I was like, mm, it does not age well. What are the other episodes on that list? I'm trying to remember. There's 
a couple that are just like this episode's kind of boring and so like a bridge that began where some of the reasons are like because i was giving it to a friend originally who was like tell me which episodes i can skip entirely for like keeping up with the plot and then i think some of them say like oh if you're not a huge fan of q this one's not important to the plot but i think my friend is using it now which is like i'm trust skipping the ones that are like you're saying are offensive you know another one that's on there is violations i don't necessarily say to skip i should mm-hmm. give a, basically a trigger warning for what it's about that way mm-hmm. no one is in the wrong headspace when they go into that episode it's funny about code of honor because a lot of fans have a problem with code of honor and when i watched it i had known all the hubbub about code of honor like <laughs> oh my god code of honor is so bad it's so racist but so I, honestly um when i watched it i was like eh, it's not great there are a planet of savages and then it's just all black people and even if they were all played by black actors but they had alien makeup on at least so they're saying these aliens they're not humans far as i look they just look like black human beings to me you know i never really got code of honor until you just said what you just said now i see it <laughs> yeah now i see it most of them are just like oh like here's kind of what the vibe of this episode is it was originally given to a list for a friend who was like trying to get through TNG to watch Picard. And I didn't agree with any of the lists people were putting out there because they were like, this episode isn't important to the plot, but then it would be just like, I was like, but that episode's really good, so you should just watch it. I've been like reticent to put it online anywhere official because I feel like people would judge, like, I was like, I'm worried about people's judgment. No, I mean, look, look, I mean, I mean, I th- fans have been doing you know, list forever. So I don't, mm-hmm. so I don't think, I, I don't think our community or the people that we know. Yeah. I, I don't think the people I'm actually friends with in the Star Trek community, I think they'd be like, cool. But you know, sometimes mm-hmm. people on the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes come out of the woodworks and you're like, I don't even know you. Why do you care? I was online chatting about uh, the first pilot, the, the first episode of Stranger Worlds, which mm-hmm. I'll ask you about your opinion in a moment. Yeah. But I was I shared a picture and I'm sure you saw it. It got like a a ton of likes um, mm-hmm. of the basic crew and I was like I love this show and I think you got off to a really good start. I ran into one guy who his profile his his Twitter profile was empty. He, he didn't have a lot of tweets. He had nothing, mm-hmm. right? And he said this show sucks because of this 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 and this. So I was like, you know what? This guy is a troll. So I said, you know mm-hmm. what? Instead of instead of blocking him or ignoring him, I'm gonna have a little fun with him. <laughs> so I started a dialogue up with the guy, and I asked him, "So why don't you like Strange New Worlds?" Right? And he says, "Cause Anson Mount sucks because this, 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 and this." And I go, "Eh, I kind of see your points, but I didn't like this episode because of this, 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 and this." And I mentioned that I'm a writer, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes. So I mentioned I'm a writer. I sent off that tweet. And a couple minutes later, he goes, oh, well, if you're, well, if you're a writer, I'm pretty sure that you suck. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that CBS will hire you in the future. And I'm like, what? Just because I, I mentioned that I'm a writer and you say that I suck. So, I... It, yeah, it gets, it gets funnier. So oh, I take God. that. <laughs> I take that and I go, well, if you say that I suck as a writer... I take that as a compliment, sir, because that shows me that I need to improve. So all of the bad comments that I get, I use as fuel to improve as a writer. So I mm-hmm. want to say thank you for saying that I fucking suck and I'm going to improve because of that. 
<laughs> and then he says, uh, you know, and then he said, yeah, well, I, well, I kind of don't like Edison Mount. I don't like the story that they're telling. And I'm like, that's fine. But it, you know, it, it just worked for me. And then I, I said, you know, all material is different for other people and mm-hmm. it's okay that we disagree, but I don't, I don't see like, like he had a problem. He didn't like the, the, he didn't like the, the connections between the characters, so to speak. So he was like, you know, I just don't like the connections between the characters. So I was like, you know, um, you know, uh, content is different for everybody else. I, I personally don't see the problems that you have, you know, and he was like, okay, I accept that. And he kind of just liked the tweet and he went away. But I basically had fun with him for like 20 minutes. See, I was from where if I ever tried to do something like that with like trolls, they always come after my like looks for some reason, which Why? is like you're, weird. You, you are so pretty. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. You're so pretty. But it's one this weird thing if they assume every woman must be self conscious about their looks. That can't be the. That has to be the thing that I like have like yeah, issues about. Mm-hmm. And or um, yeah, it's usually just looks. I don't know. I'd be like, I was like, yeah, go after my brain. Nope, just. Yeah. Um, I was, I've like, although I do think the weirdest interaction. Do you ever? Okay, I've had on Star Trek Twitter. Was this truly bizarre? Do you ever do Star Trek Hour? No, I don't. Okay, uh, what, what so that's that, what is that about? So it's um, it's the account Star Trek Hour. It's run by someone on Trek Twitter. I'm trying to remember their exact handle. Um, but up. they do a uh. And they were doing this like before New Trek uh, was coming out, but they um, ask like a series of questions about a random episode of Star Trek. And then right now, in general, is like it's the episode that aired the week before. Mm-hmm. But then other days, it's like a random episode of it's mm-hmm. usually TNG, Deep Space Center, Voyager, and sometimes Enterprise. I love Enterprise. Um. But there was one, it was, I don't remember exactly what episode it was. It was definitely Voyager. And he said, why don't the board care about friendship? And I couldn't think of like, like a good answer. So I put a funny answer and I just put friendship is irrelevant. <laughs> Some random person started mansplaining to me why friendship was important. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and I was like, and then I was like, oh, I have to have fun with this. Like. He started. Wait, wait, wait a minute. He started mansplaining to you why friendship like the, is important. Yeah, I will try to write the series of events because I definitely like put like as like gift of seven and like hipster glass to say irrelevant or something. Okay. Yeah. So I think he might have put like something like, "Oh, this is such a sad sentiment," and then maybe that's when he started mansplaining friendship. Right. And then it just like. And then a couple of people popped in and were like, hey, like we're making jokes, like you can and then it just kept going and the person restarted our ended up blocking it because we were like, this wasn't ending. Yeah, okay. But we're like, what's happening? Oh, it's uh run by Joe Snowden, who has a great account too. Okay, okay. He also does the like Riker Googling. Riker Googling. It's just what is like that sounds fast. The search searches of Riker. Oh my god, really? Like yeah, just, let me. Like he just puts Riker into the search field. <laughs> no, no, no. Like it's like what he thinks Riker would Google. 
Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I, I might be, I'm trying to, um, yeah, it's record Googling. Uh, like one thing apparently he thinks, it's like, they're just silly. One is okay. Hello Kitty species. My journey through new Star Trek has been very painful because I remember watching the pilot of Star Trek Discovery and loving it so, so much. But here's the problem. The next day I went online, which big mistake. Mm-hmm. I went online and I, I said, hey, guys, I love the new you know Star Trek series. The pilot was uh, amazing. I mean, the Vulcan Hello is amazing. I, um, it is so good. I don't. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, I, so I remember going online after the two part of going, oh, my God, guys, I love the Vulcan. Hello. It's amazing. It's a great new Star Trek. And I was like, everybody was like, this show fucking sucks. It's going to kill. I mean, I felt so bad. I mean, it just felt so awful until I... once in, until one Star Trek fan. His name is the Trek Collector. He's mm-hmm. based in Ireland. And he goes, okay. dude, I love the show, too. Um, and you know that guy really saved my confidence because I was like, should I be a fan of this show? I mean, the, the Star Trek community just killed me in like mm-hmm. an hour. I would say I got lucky that well, I didn't really like. I was doing some Star Trek stuff on Twitter before, but I was my real introduction was like the day before Discovery. I tweeted out how this is true. I didn't really watch Enterprise live because I was living overseas. All this stuff, and it had also been like um, over a decade, and also Enterprise didn't air super like, uh, like it wasn't on like a major network, <laughs> which is why I I I know some people who are still like Star Trek should be on like a network, and I was like I it wouldn't survive on a network, but that I was so excited because this even though I've been a Star Trek fan for over a decade, this is the first time I'd be watching a Star Trek show live. Yeah. And Star, the official Star Trek, one of the official Star Trek accounts retweeted that. Uh. And then a lot of people found me that way. And then I was like, oh, there's a whole ass community on here. And I just started following. I know, like, I followed, like, Heather that day. Yeah. And I just followed a bunch of people. And then, like, it grew from there. Yeah, I found... So I think I got a good start, at least with Twitter, that everyone who had followed me was because of a tweet I saw where I was saying I was excited for Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um... No, I mean, I must say that, you know, since that day, I really have made it my mission to fill my Twitter feed with positive Star Trek people. Mm-hmm. Because I because I have seen the toxic side yeah. of new Star Trek. And like you, look, I've liked Star Trek my whole life. Mm-hmm. But I really never got to experience a Star Trek show live. So Discovery, like you, was my first ever yeah, live Star Trek I... show. There was something really interesting where I was like, it was weird watching Discovery and then like I was like, okay, I have to wait for the next episode. I never really it's had so that. I, like, yeah, I. It was either me rushing up to. This is true. On some days when I would watch TNG um, for like an hour after school, I would have to like, and I had to then I'd had to run to Girl Scouts because I would leave at the last possible second to yeah. finish the episode. When Discovery came out, I was watching through something for the first time. Maybe Voyager, um, or like maybe I just finished Voyager or something. But it was like so interesting going from like yes, all the Star Trek I have, and then I was like, I'm done. There is more. There's like more. there's more coming out. I don't there's have like more. it's not like finite anymore. Yeah, I I was so excited for a new Star Trek because it was being run by. One of my favorite writers of all time, Alex Kurtzman, 
vis-a-vis, mm-hmm. which I'm, I think you know this. Well, if you don't know this, I'll tell you now. Alice Kurtzman and Bob Orsi, who wrote Star Trek 09, they are my favorite writing, te- they're my favorite writing duo mm-hmm. of all time. And I... the fact that one of them was going to be in charge of new Star Trek, I was losing my mind. I was going crazy I, with happiness. Yeah, I I think Alex Kurtzman, Alex Kurtzman's great. I'm yeah. scared to ever say that online. Oh, well, you but just did. <laughs> I did. But this but, is a podcast, so don't. Yeah. I mean, people are very weird about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you get, I mean, you get people like me who, who you know, are 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 pro Alex Kurtzman who will who will jump into a fire saying that mm-hmm. he and Bob and JJ saved Star Trek, which they did. See, they did. I mean, did. there's a reason that there was over a decade between Enterprise and Discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, but I but but would you agree that if it wasn't for Star Trek 09, do you think that we would have oh, this new era of Star Trek? Definitely would not. Because right, okay. people would be like, oh, it's too dated, but we right. at least had this thing of like, no, we can update it. Look how cool this looks. I think my brother has watched the first season of Picard. I don't know if he's watched the second. Mm-hmm. But he he's not as big of a Star Trek fan as I am. Right. But he no. uh he, he works in the entertainment industry and he was working on a show where you needed like a subscription to watch the show. I it was I think this was when he was working at Quibi. Uh, obviously that show does not Quibi? exist anymore because yeah, my brother worked worked on a Quibi show. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah, and they were doing an interview with um the actor who played Book on the show. Oh wow! And it was like right before the third season of Discovery was gonna watch, and he was he was here, and so he was like, "Hey, I gotta." He's like, oh, come watch a Star Trek interview, Rachel. I was like, I know you watch this show. Come watch this. And he did. And they showed a they showed a clip of it. And he was like, is that the show? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, that looks amazing. I was like, oh yeah, the effects of the of the new Star Trek shows are yeah. unbelievably good. Like yeah, they are. Like no. the fact they look like movies. I don't yeah. like. I when people were like, why can't we get longer seasons? I was like, they could not look like this. No, of course I not. I don't think people could possibly think of how expensive it is to make episodes look like that no it is no it is very very expensive to do even 10 episodes and star trek discovery sort of changes their episode order every season but the reason that they Mm -hmm. keep it so low is because if they if they moved up to 22 episodes or 23 episodes like you and i are used to yeah it it wouldn't look this good i also people people say they want that no No. you don't like that's how you get bad filler sometimes filler is great i Mm. i personally would like i like i think the sweet spot of like a a season is about 13 Mm -hmm. like i wish i wish strange me was a little little longer i I do wish uh sitcoms had longer seasons if you have a a 10 episode or order on a half hour show that's five hours (laughs) it's not a lot Mm -hmm. um but sometimes you get filler that's great character pieces but sometimes you get filler that is nothing. Like that one episode of TNG that I absolutely hate. It's so dumb. Where they have that the the head gear, the game thing. I don't hate that episode, but I also I'm a weirdo. I like Wesley. <laughs> Important to remember before I say this, I was a child when I originally watched TNG. Okay. I had a crush on Wesley. Uh when I rewatch episodes I don't find the twelve year old attractive anymore. I, I think he's actually older than that. I I'm never clear how old Wesley is supposed to be. So I always like I just a, a soft spot in okay. my heart. Um, though I think why well, I do have an episode 
I don't think there's any episode I actually like actively hate, not for being <laughs> offensive. And I like there's only one I can think of in Steep Space Nine. Oh, I can't think of the actual title. Something about stone throwing the first stone. Worf has a backstory, so he ruins everyone's vacation. That episode yeah. I hate no, so much. No, actually the episode um the episode that I love that everybody hates. And I don't like to admit that I like this episode. As a matter of fact, it's the first time I'm going to do it. Because the, the, the time that Marcy brought it up, I kind of guffawed at it. But secretly, mm. I like the episode. It's uh, Move Along Home. I, I kind of love Move Along Home. I, I kind of love cheesy Star Trek. One yeah. of... I would say this is ironically, but it's kind of not. Mm-hmm. Is I love the Royale. Like the TNG episode oh where they go god, down. Oh my god, I bet <laughs> that. Oh my god, oh my god, I love you even more now. That's I, one of my, that's I think one of my it's one of the episodes. first episodes of TNG I ever saw. Because wow. again, I was just randomly watching it on TV. And I, that episode captured me. I found that episode so relaxing. Like if mm-hmm. I am in a bad mood, that's the episode I put on. Okay. Like wow. to like calm down. Wow. So Move I, Along Home very much has that energy to me. I was like, mm-hmm. we're here for a silly time and let's go. Yeah, I I love Move Along Home. Also, mm-hmm. I love that first episode where Captain Picard uh, dresses up dresses up as um um as Dixon Hill. Yeah, as Dixon Hill, and mm-hmm. he goes into the hall. He goes into um, the holodeck for the first time. I I love a cheesy holodeck episode. I think my favorite. Well, I don't think these are. I don't think these are these are hot takes. But I like the um, Sherlock Holmes episodes. And I love Armand Bashir. I love these. I adore Deep Space Nine. Okay. I mm-hmm. adore Deep Space Nine. But I will admit, the first time I saw Bashir, I wanted to kill him. I, and you know, I why? know that is a common sentiment. It's not mine. But... You know why? Because I found mm-hmm. him to be so annoying. The first couple of seasons, I was like, dude, I just want to. I'll be honest. Bashir walked in and I had hard eyes. Like, okay. I. Part of my, uh, you know what? Part of my uh, love of Bashir is I find him extremely attractive. <laughs> I find him kind of endear. I think maybe it was something that I was very young, mm-hmm. but not like not Wesley young, very right. like fresh into adulthood. Right. And I found that kind of relatable, like right. just trying to like prove yourself. Bashir got better for me as the series went along. Mm-hmm. Like once his once his you know man friendship with a Garrick really mm-hmm. kicked in i thought bashir was awesome see I, everyone says first couple of seasons but i want to point out like the wire and cardassians are in season two and like those i think are like top tier bashir episodes so like i look look you, you just mentioned that you love um bashir because of the sex appeal right mm-hmm. and like and that's my... one of the other i have other reasons too right. but the reason okay. i he walked on screen and i immediately was like who's that right, right. <laughs> was he's attractive yeah, and and the reason that I bring that up is because my fav- my two favorite Star Trek characters of all time, a large part of why I love them so much is because the first time I saw them, I'm like, oh my god, I want to marry that girl. <laughs> um, my like like my my favorite Star Trek character of all time is Dax. I mean, you know Terry Farrell. I was Jedzia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jedzia Dax, not not mm-hmm. Dax Dax, because Dax is a Jezia yeah. Dax. 
Um, well, I only, I was like, I was just clarifying we're not talking about Esri. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Um, so Jadzia Dax is, I mean, Terry Farrell to me is, a, I love her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, She's on my so, shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah Dax, right there. <laughs> the one woman who could commit mass murder on Star Trek and then I would let her go is Seven of Nine. I love Jerry Ryan. Uh- Oh, I definitely get the seven is such a good character. It's one of, I don't know if you've ever had this where you're like watching a thing and you don't like appreciate like how good of an actor someone is until you have to see them doing something slightly different. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, I I was watching Voyager for the first time. I was like, yeah, seven, like Jerry Ryan is really good at playing seven of nine. Yep. And that one episode where she has to like embody the people that she assimilated and she's like, skip, switching skipping. personalities. She's skipping. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, yeah. That episode, I was like watching in awe, and I was like, Jerry Ryan can do no wrong. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, no, like, no, Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan as an actress is so so wonderful, and she's so so talented. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you mentioned the episode where she skips. That episode mm-hmm. is a really, it's it's a class in acting because she has yeah. to, she she brings something a little different to each personality that she's that she skips through in mm-hmm. that episode. But here's the reason why I haven't finished Deep Space Nine. So I always get to the episode where Dax, uh, Jazia Dax, I always say Dax, but Mm -hmm. Jazia Dax, where she dies. And that's the episode where I go, where I go, fuck you, Rick Berman. I'm never going to finish the show again. And I always, I always get to there and I always go, I always go, fuck you, Rick Berman. I'm never going to finish. I get it. I do. The last season is good. Yeah, but I gotta finish. I, I, I but gotta I do finish. get it. There are some really good episodes, I will say. There and there's, I do like they treat her. I mean, one they can't not acknowledge she's there because as like, not they can't pretend that she was never there because Ezra's there, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are some really they don't. My annoying thing is like if an actor has to leave a show and they kill them off and they act like that act, that character was never there on a TV show. That yeah. makes me they don't do that so mad. They definitely don't do that. Like, okay, Worf good. goes through, like, like you deal with, like, Worf. It's like a widower. And, right, right. Yeah, a widower. That's what you would call it. Okay, a widower, yeah. And then, obviously, Ezri is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's... And Ezri has a couple... I think Ezri is not a bad character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ezri has the un, like, impossible task of yeah. being the replacement for a beloved character. Yeah. Which is I'm- not, like... Not an, like not an enviable like position to be in, and she only got a season. That's the main reason why I haven't finished one of my favorite Star Trek shows of all time because of Rick Berman. Uh, but I, I mean, but I have problems with Rick Berman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, look, look. I look. I have a ton, tons of problems with Rick Berman. Okay, yeah. I have, I have hoodles, but I, the, but the one part that I'm thankful to Rick Berman for is continuing Star Trek in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I, I find Rick Berman to be a very, very questionable individual. And that's yeah. putting it nicely. That's putting it mm-hmm. very nicely, but I'm thankful to him for the years of Star Trek content that he produced. Yeah. I definitely. Ge- yeah. I generally don't, I don't like him as a person at all. No, the, but, the more I hear about Rick Berman, yeah, the more like, I'm like, Ooh. A lot of people who don't like new Star Trek say that Star Trek isn't moving forward, that it, it keeps going 
backwards. It keeps going into prequels. It keeps it keeps giving us content that content based on other characters that we've seen before, like with Picard um, mm-hmm. and Stranger Worlds. But do you think that eventually we're gonna get a show where Star Trek moves forward and that we 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 like go massively into the future? Discounting Discovery because Discovery Disc- didn't start discounting, that way. Yeah, discounting uh, Discovery yeeting itself into the future. Yeah. Um, I maybe. I mean, I think. So I have a theory about something, even though this is not because there's, there's that um, Star Trek Academy show that's been in the works for years. It always thought that the Star Trek academy show would be like based kind of in like where picard is and my mm-hmm. idea was that like you could have legacy star trek people be professors but now with where discovery is going i wonder if tilly's gonna get a spinoff and that's what it's gonna be because she's at the academy right now i'm obsessed with the concept of starfleet academy i really want that show <laughs> so do you do you know do you, do you want to know what i want that show to be mm-hmm. i want that show to be the oc in space that's exactly what I want. I like well because Josh Schwartz is producing it, right? Like a like a more recent Josh Schwartz um, mm-hmm. productions. He did the miniseries adaptation of Looking for Alaska, was mm-hmm. really good. Doesn't he produce the new Gossip Girl reboot? That's awful. Yeah, right? he also produced original Gossip Girl. So I don't know if he's on the producer list. Just like I'm the creator of the original show, so I'm mm-hmm. like in name here, mm-hmm. and I. I'm not a huge Gossip Girl fan, and so no. I've watched some of the... I, because I grew up in the era of the original Gossip Girl, right, I have seen some of it. I haven't seen any of the reboot. So mm-hmm. I, I've heard it's not great, but I don't actually have an opinion on it. Like, the thing about Gossip Girl is that I grew up in the 90s. I grew up when the WB mm-hmm. was still the WB, and it had, the, and it had a dancing frog. Um, I remember the dancing frog. So I am... I love teen drama. Like, like my favorite TV mm-hmm. show of all time is Dawson's Creek, vis-a-vis my Twitter handle, right? Yeah. And I love teen drama, so that's why I said I would love if Starfleet Academy I, would be the OC in space. What I I like the uh, teen drama, but I do actually like it when a little bit more when they're like, actually, we're gonna have them like right out of like high school or right like okay, um, like, like college, a- right? Yeah, well, this is my problem with current, with a lot of current teen dramas, and yeah. so uh, I like I like the new Nancy Drew, um, although I'm not caught up on it. Um, so but my favorite thing is they made them all like 18, just graduated from high school, and yeah. so because they never seen none of these teen dramas seem interested in actually having them go to high school. No, they don't. I was like, yeah, just make them 18 then, yeah. so we don't have to try to explain, like why, um, right. Or I, I always find it hilarious in teen dramas where no one's parents seem to care where they are. <laughs> like, no, but no, but you know, but but it's so interesting you said that because as I'm getting older and I'm watching my favorite teen dramas, right, and I'm mm-hmm. going, like, like where it's are your like parents, it's like ten o'clock like, at night. Where the fuck are your parents? How how like 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 one of my favorite teen dramas of all time is One Tree Hill, right, mm-hmm. and. And Peyton Sawyer lives by herself, and I'm like, my parents would have never let me live by myself. What the fuck is yeah. this? Like, I don't don't like a couple of teenagers also get married in high school randomly on, on One Tree Hill. 
First of all, they get emancipated and then they get married at, at like 18. Okay. Oh, well, at least they're emancipated. So I have this thing. I was like, if you're not going to care about high school, I would rather them just make the characters 18. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, it's perfect for like, although I do, if you were in Starfleet Academy, I do actually kind of want to see Starfleet Academy. Like, I understand that they can't be teenagers while they were in Starfleet Academy, but I want to see the OC. I mean, one, Wesley like, was. Yeah, he was. And people are the people are teenagers for the first couple of years of college. People, yeah. people go like, all right, teenagers for two years. And also 20 and 21 year olds are basically teenagers. Yeah, they're I, children. I have to be thankful to you for a lot of things, but the number one thing, oh, I've told you this, or I told you this already, mm-hmm. but the number one thing I have to be thankful to you for is because you, a while back, one evening went on Twitter and lost your goddamn mind because the show that you loved as a kid just got added to HBO and you were like, this is the most awesome show ever. And then, and then for like a week, you went nuts talking about niles and talking about mr sheffield so i was like what the and then all of a sudden all of a sudden because we were we were i I believe we were at the start of quarantine at that point or yeah we were like in it right some Mm -hmm. we were basically in it already so one day i was like what the what the hell is rachel obsessed with the show and i turned it on i started watching i'm like hmm this is interesting i watched some more and i was like this is awesome and then love the nanny so much and then and then i had the idea to stop watching it where i was watching it and i said i sat Mm -hmm. down with my family and we started watching it and now we love the nanny that show it is fucking good the nanny okay hilarious thing about the nanny that i was obsessed with the nanny but the nanny is not like the nanny isn't friends the nanny isn't a show like we all watched right apparently it's unbelievably popular in australia and i when i had to explain to my australian friend that like the fact that she met like me and another friend that both love the nanny she's like i was like that's a rarity like this isn't like really they don't love the nanny in australia wow no no they love the nanny in australia okay. but she assumed it was like a cultural touch point that like every american knew oh okay the like amount of people i know that i'd be like i love the nanny i remember saying i love the nanny and like at some cafeteria, either middle school or high school, Crickets. and someone asking me if I met Super Nanny. Okay. Wow. I I originally caught the Nanny in reruns because I am a little too young for the original run of the Nanny. Yeah. And then, honestly, part of the reason I love the Nanny is that the first time I really remember seeing, uh, like I'm uh, Jewish, but like interfaith, like my my dad's Catholic, my mom's Jewish, right. but it's the first time I remember seeing like a Jewish family that like. Jewish like fictional characters that it wasn't something about the Holocaust <laughs> or like some some unbelievably depressing like I love Fiddler on the Roof but yeah uh, I would love I, I you know it's nice to see something about like just Jewish people like mm-hmm. having a nice time and not like here's another horrible event that happened to us no my big my big fat Greek wedding is a wonderful film um, yeah and that's yeah it's like it's I love seeing like other like other cultures and then that it was like just yeah the first time i actually saw like like the um getta reminds me a lot of my grandma Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um especially in the like we're jewish and then they would say something about bacon they're like aren't you jewish and they're like eh that's my family (laughs) like we we eat bacon i've always said like if i fall in love with someone who is not 
in my faith, first of all, mm-hmm. I'm not religious at all. So that's not that's not mm-hmm. that's not important to me at all. So if I fall in love with a, yeah. a, a Jewish girl or a Pakistani girl, it doesn't matter. I'll just mm-hmm. love them for them and I won't give a rat's ass about what their faith is because that's not important to me. But um I like it's it's interesting what you said there because a lot of movies about Jewish culture really are heavy, heavy movies and that talk about serious subjects. Like there's a lot of joy in the actual culture. Mm-hmm. But you know, people people love to get Oscars for a Holocaust film, so Yeah. I mean look, I mean one of my favorite Spielberg films of all time. I've only seen it once because I've I've never been able to see it again. It's Schindler's List. It's heavy. Another film that was really tough to watch, but it's a great film, is a more recent film, uh, Jojo Rabbit. It's a wonderful film. Mm -hmm. But that can be also a tough thing to watch. But the great thing about that is that it has comedy thrown in there. It is also, I love to point out, to like make for people know that Taika Waititi is Jewish, because if you don't know that, that film has a has it's very odd to people. Yeah. Um, I know um, that film is is great, and it mm-hmm. it's a great look at how propaganda actually does work on young minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, 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 I was like, yeah, this is how they get you. Yeah, it's like this innocent child who's like, this is what he's being told. Of course, this mm-hmm. is what he believes. You know, right when that film starts, you see the little kid in the mirror. You see, uh. A funny version of Hitler coming. You know, as Taika Waititi starts getting more and more obnoxious, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to just laugh my ass off. And that's what I did. But mm-hmm. the shoe scene, I won't tell you what, in case you haven't seen the movie. That oof, that scene is, yeah. it's so well done. It's just a really, really good film. You introduced me to Nanny, and I'm so happy you did, because mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite shows now. And it's one of the shows that I have on rotation. When I don't fall asleep to TNG, I fall asleep to the nanny. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. That is. I also, I don't think I've ever tried the nanny as something something to fall asleep to. I, I should try it. My only fear is that I, I love Fran Drescher. I love her she voice. It's not always the most new thing for falling asleep. Nah, she'll, nah, she'll, she'll, she'll definitely wake you up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I, I will kid you not. Like there have been a couple of times where, I, like an episode has been playing and I fall asleep and then all of a sudden Fran Drescher's voice just goes, ah, and it just wakes me up. I, and I'm like, oh my God. This is a, a Star Trek one, but I once, I can't remember what episode was right before it, but I fell asleep watching episode TNG and the next episode was, um, oh, I've, I'm usually better at episode titles. The, okay. the one with Wesley at the Academy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, The one with the, uh, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I fell asleep and I woke up to just Captain Picard yelling at Wesley. Oh, my like, God. And I was like, oh, what's happening? Oh, what's like, happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, yelling about how the truth is the first first duty. That episode's oh, called First, first duty? duty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, the, the yelling about that, how truth is the first duty of every Starfleet officer. The craziest TNG episode that I've ever woken up to. Uh, was that TNG episode where Picard had to get the the titanium heart? Mm-hmm. And I fell asleep right about where the episode was starting. Mm-hmm. And I woke up when Wesley and Picard were having that conversation in the shuttle, and I'm like, 
the hell happened? Because <laughs> I, because I had started off at the beginning, but it was like I went from the beginning to that scene. I was like, what the, the fuck happened? So then I took the Netflix thing and I rewinded it all the way back to the mm-hmm. start of the episode, and I sat there and I watched the whole thing. Which that's a great episode, by the way. That is a really good episode. The um, scene. Patrick Stewart and Will Wheaton are always so good together. Yeah. I mean, you know, I That's... mean, I really like Patrick Stewart's performance as um, as John Luke Picard. I think it's great. But mm-hmm. I primarily I primarily like his performances in the TV show, the films. I kind of think his performance in Picard is a little bit different, which it should I mean, be because he's older. It should be. He's... It should be because he's older. But... That to me is Picard, but it's not Prime Picard. When I say Prime Picard, I'm not, I'm not talking about timelines. I'm talking about okay. I'm talking about peak Picard. Yeah. Right. I mean, and most people aren't. Well, I think there's also the weird thing that everyone has always apparently people used to assume that Patrick Stewart was much older than he was in right. TNG, and so I was like, he was only in his like his forties. Right. And so people early always forties, early forties. Yeah, it's early 40s. He just didn't have hair. Right. It's <laughs> like... That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. Most people... And I think it's an interesting story to, like, see, but most people are not in their peak in their 80s. You know, um, and you know, and the thing is that I got so used to TNG, so I thought Picard was going to be that. And mm-hmm. when it wasn't, it was like... <gasps> I mean, the first, the first episode of Picard, they kill off one of my favorite characters in the very first episode. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? She was awesome and you blew her up. I no. God damn it. I I do wish Dodge had stayed around. <laughs> but you know what? I have a really big problem with season Picard, with season one of Picard, and that's where it all starts. The killing mm-hmm. of Dodge in season one broke me. I'm like, I'm broken. I think this even more so about season one, a little bit about season two, that I think it yeah. works better as like treating it like a mini series and like Mm-hmm. One or like, I because I don't love the one long movie because it's not one long movie. It's no, not no. quite that, but no, it's a miniseries. So yeah, um, I also think that Picard season one because I because re- I liked it a lot better on a rewatch, mm-hmm. and I do think Picard season one suffered from Picard season one came out while lockdown was like happening. Uh-huh. Because I watched the first season of of Picard. At a bar with a bunch of other Star Trek fans, and I watched the last season locked in my home, the really? last episode like locked in my house. Wow. Okay. So that's right when that was all happening. Yeah. And it's like it's not like a f- and it's not like a goofy show either. So you're just like, no. there's too much happening. But Car Season One is very very, I I, I do not like it. Um, yeah. couple things. Dodge, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I don't like the way they speak to Picard in the show. Like, I don't like the fact that Raffi talks... Like, I hate the way that she calls him JL. Oh, uh, I don't... That's fine. Mine. You I know? think it's like, shows familiarity in a way... It's a good way of, like, right. showing, like, we have a relationship that's actually, like... People give people nicknames. Like, that's... Right, right but could you, could you ever imagine Riker saying that? I... Could you? Probably not, but I also could see Picard lighten is like up. starting to lighten up. Like you have okay. him like in the last episode of TNG, he's going to play poker with them. Oh yeah, last scene, yeah. 
So mm-hmm. I could see that. And there's also, in my head, this is canon. It's not technically canon. There's a deleted scene from Nemesis that mm-hmm. I love when they get the new thing and Riker's last thing he does is play a prank on the new commander. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> he goes, call him Jean-Luc. And then when he calls him Jean-Luc, for Kurt just looks at him and he's like, he's like, Captain Riker was uh, pulling my leg, wasn't he? <laughs> I like it because, one, it's way more in character for those characters. Uh, there was so much I didn't like about season one. My major problem, there's one thing I said, if you're going to do that much with data, my weirdest thing, I was like, why isn't Jordy here? What? Was yeah. like, Good point. Season, That's a great between point. Hugh and data, I was like, Jordy knows his people too well to not be here. Yeah. No. And when it came to Picard season one, I was so happy that, um, Tara Metalis was taking over because I, I didn't like the writing from season one of Picard. Mm-hmm. So the first episode of Picard gave me so much hope, but, as I figured out that Terry Metalis knew something that we didn't know for like 10 months and mm-hmm. he decided to do the first four and then go into season three and deal with that, I was very disappointed with season two. Like, I, I just like, I never had as many problems with season two as other people did. Like, I think it got a little weird in the middle. Mm hmm. But I loved the last episode so much. And in a way, it, like, wrapped things up for me. That, like, I was like, that's weird. I was like, oh, this wrapped that up, though. Okay. okay. And I loved, um, like, the um, the scene between, like, Patrick Stewart and John Delancey. It was so good. Oh, that, that I was, was like, I was like, I kind of don't give a shit what else happened. Yeah, and also, was like, great. Wesley. And then I was like, this scene is so good. Yeah. And I think finally even like i'm not saying this is necessarily romantic but mm-hmm. i do like that they are like kind of thing like no there's something deeper between picard and q mm-hmm. does it it definitely can be interpreted romantic it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be, have to be. but yeah. i like because people are like no q is just fucking with them i was like you don't fuck with people for 30 years if you don't mm-hmm. care about them yeah that's right my main problem with with picard season two is story structure like I could have, mm-hmm. like, I could have taken elements of that story and made it more streamlined and made it. The fact yeah. is, it didn't make sense to me. I thought, I thought that it was a, a hodgepodge of ideas where someone went, "Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this." It was like mm-hmm. somebody took a bunch of ideas and put it into a a slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's just me. If you liked it, more power to you. I'm happy that you yeah. did. Yeah, I also probably went into. I was probably that I, of New Trek, uh, seasons, my least favorite season is probably season one of Picard. So then I was probably predisposed to be like, I'm probably not going to love this season. Mm-hmm. And then I liked it a lot more than I thought it would. Okay. So that, you know, put it over. And then I also, I, I can be won over by a good performance really easily. Okay. Where I'm like, where I'm like, Ah, does this make sense? Maybe not, but I'm li- I'm liking the emotions. I was the one thing I ended up coming around to it. <laughs> I but I didn't love how quickly it was like. And Rios and uh, Gerardi are not a thing anymore. Forget I, about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did not like what they did at all with Rios and that. Woman. I. I why at the end I was like fine with her, but I I was like, can she come to the future so we can still have Rios? I'm a romance fan though, so I was like, fine. If we're gonna do the romance, yeah, just keep him around though. Yeah, but yeah, but I just want to say, 
I am I'm the biggest probably the biggest romantic Star Trek fan that you'll find. <laughs> but I just think that they that they didn't work. Like if mm-hmm. you wanted to do that, you would have to like I really didn't well, I don't want to bore you with what I would have done, but just to say <laughs> I didn't like it. Um yeah. but with that being said, season three is gonna be amazing and you know why. Um, I yes, so I'm really looking forward so, to season three. Although it's weird how like it turns out like a lot of the actors everybody. are not. Well, I'm happy everyone's gonna be there. Something I wish we had known ahead of time that the like, um, a lot of the Picard actors were not oh. in season three mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just a lot of them doing posts like "bye," and I'm like, "Oh wait, wait what?" Like, I, no, but, yeah, no. I will, I will admit though that Picard being three seasons. It didn't give us enough time with our new cast because Yeah. Because I'm it, still hoping for a Stargazer spinoff. My original thought was Rios, but I don't think that's happening with no. that. So now I'm like, okay, seven and Rafi. No, it's good. No. We have to do a Fenless a Fenless Rangers yeah. show. Which I seven. that would also work. I just I mean, maybe it's that season three of Picard takes place on the Stargazer. Maybe. I when the Stargazer showed up this amazing set that immediately was gone. I was like, yeah. what are yeah. they setting up for that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just really want them to spend time yeah. on that goddamn fancy ship they showed off for yeah. like a yes. while. Season two of Star Trek Discovery was like a breath of fresh air for me because I was like, oh, finally some direction. Alex Kurtzman has mm-hmm. the show now by the horns. And what does he do? He brings in Spock and he brings in Ensign Mount. When you saw that season, you were like, oh my God. I need a Pike show. Or what was your feeling on Anson Mount oh, when you I, first saw him? I was very much on board with Anson Mount. I, um, tra- like, I just remember seeing the trailer. I was, like, in my friend's house and being like, I am very into, like, one, I think Anson Mount is amazing casting for Pike. He is amazing. I, one, that he looks like Jeffrey Jeffrey Hunter, that's his name, right? Yeah, Jeffrey Pike. Hunter, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also, I had seen, I haven't seen all of Hell on Wheels, but my oh, brother that show. I lived with at the time was watching Hell on Wheels. And I'd every now and then I would catch him. And I remember just always being like drawn to like Anson Mount and being like, not not like, I mean, he is obviously very attractive, but I mean like yeah. performance wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just being like, oh, he's really good. And I think if you're going to do like bring a legacy character in, Pike is 100% the right character to do that with because mm-hmm. despite him being very important, very little is known about him. Yep. Unless um, you read the books, which I don't do. Yeah, I'm not. I, I've read some Star Trek books, but one, they're not canon, and some did, are very good. They are not did, all very good. Did you read the Janeway biography? I know you did. I have right? read. I have. I okay. listened to the audiobook of it. I'm a big Voyager fan, so I'm yeah. going to get around to that. I enjoyed it. I found the end very odd, though. Really? I lo- like genuinely loved him. Okay. It was like, even though I knew it was probably coming when they were like, yeah, he's only in season two. I was like, but no. Mm, That's what I was like, but 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 spinoff then? Which yeah. made sense, because you can't keep Anson Mount on Discovery the whole time, because mm-hmm. then like you're like, Time-wise. wasn't he? And like, he was captain of the Enterprise. That doesn't make sense. I somewhere I have a Pike Discovery shirt. I was wearing that the day Strange New Worlds got announced. That's awesome. Yeah, and I I was sitting on my desk downstairs. Um, I was like working, 
And I, there's somewhere on my Instagram, I just like, I literally jumped out of my chair. Mostly was trying to show off that I just happened to wear that shirt that day. So of all the new Star Trek shows that I was interested in the most is is Stranger Worlds. First of all, I think that's a great mm-hmm. title. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a second really of, title. Second of all, I'm I love new Star Trek. You know this because I'm a curse mm-hmm. But I was so happy to get back to epi- episodic Star Trek, and the fact that mm-hmm. Stranger Worlds is going to give that to us, I'm so excited for. So, what were your initial thoughts when you actually sat down to watch Stranger Worlds for the first time? I I really enjoyed it, and I spent the whole day because I was waiting to watch it with like some friends. So I spent the whole day, and I watched Picard first because I did too. I just wanted to get it out of the way. Sorry. I wanted. Well, I was also like, I want to like, and even though I was enjoying it, I wanted to end this, go there, and I also kind of in my head was like, Picard will probably be more emotional, mm-hmm. and I would. I, you were right. I knew I was, we were the thing we were going to watch both, but I was like, I'd rather have my initial emotional reaction alone mm-hmm. and not with like a group of people that because it's not a group of people i like they're like friends but it, they're not like i don't know them super super well okay but they're friends and i am i get emotional but i'm not a fan of crying in front of other people all the time mm. um and i but i i loved the episode of strange new worlds oh. i thought it was so good. I also love, like, I know not everyone loves Discovery, but I do. I love that they, like, there are, they are, like, yeah, we spent, like, a year on Discovery that will come up. Mm-hmm. So um, so you love the fact that they acknowledge that in the episode. Yeah, and I like that there are, yeah, there are consequences from that. Like, mm-hmm. that obviously Discovery wouldn't. Uh, be able to explore because again they yeeted themselves far far into the future i thought the first episode of strange new worlds was really really good but mm-hmm. again my writer's brain there are a couple things from a writing aspect that i didn't think flowed as great and i would have done mm-hmm. a little bit differently but with that being said i thought it was a great great start yeah and seeing Anson Mount. And I will say, pilots, I mean, this is especially a pilot. Pilots are hard. You have to yeah, introduce yeah, everyone. They're really hard, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You've got to, like, establish what are, how well do these people know each other? Do mm-hmm. they know each other well? And you, even though this is essentially a spinoff, you don't yeah. want to, like, be like, yeah, you've definitely watched everything. No, yeah. No, um, I think, I look, look, I think that Akiva Goldsman did the best he could have. I, I just don't like. I I feel that he didn't um, balance all the introductions of the characters particularly well, but that's you know that's just my writer's brain going off. Um, mm-hmm. But from a span aspect, I love the first episode. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see Rebecca was... Romaine a little bit more. And, yes, I. And, and um and Lon, uh, the 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 security chief, she's gonna be my favorite. I bet. I uh, she she seems really cool. I um I also <laughs> I love Sam Kirk coming in just oh. with his mustache and I was like I was like I was like Kirk I was like I was like because I was like they're definitely not bringing no, Kirk in because they they announced that he was in season two like we know when that's happening uh-huh. and then he just came in with his mustache and I was like you know what yeah let's go for this yeah. you know um <laughs> my friend who was watching the episode with me when that when 
when I think it was Spock who said, hey, you know, Ensign Kirk wants to come to the bridge and Pike said, bring him on. And my friend will tell you, because we were on the call together, watching the episode together, I freaked the fuck out. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I keep a golf man. And then he comes on and I saw the mustache and I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, this is too early for Kirk. What are you doing? I, can you imagine if they actually had done that? Oh my God. If, dude, if they would have done that, Twitter would have been an inhabitable. Star Trek Twitter would have been on fire. Oh, it would have been. It I bad because like, well, because I knew because I had seen the announcement. They specifically said he's going to be in season two. Uh-huh. So I was like, I was like, that's definitely not him then. Yeah. And I like if Paul like Paul since Wesley. he's already announced, they would have had Paul Wesley doing press. He's yeah. like, relatively famous. No, it's too early. I. And I, well, I have a theory that, that like, the leak was supposed to be leaked. Uh-huh. Because I don't, Paul Wesley is too famous to just have him filming in public and not assume people would take pictures. Right, right, right. Like, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, you know, just be yeah. like, hey, it's the guy from the Vampire Diaries filming something. What's he doing? Yeah. Um, and then he's also, like, we all guessed he was Kirk because he's too famous to, like, just be a random Starfleet officer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but I am, but I am, but I, I have a feeling that Stranger World is going to be my favorite show of the bunch next to, mm-hmm. next to, um, Lower Decks for obvious reasons. I think that'll do it for our conversation, uh, this evening, but I want to thank you so much for being here. And if people want to find you online, what will be the best place for them to do that on? I'm Dramadork884 on Twitter, uh, TikTok. I guess Tumblr. I sometimes manage to find myself on there. Um, not as much these days. Instagram, basically anywhere you can find me. Again, thank you so much for being here. And uh, you are welcome back any old time if you want to come back to talk about whatever it is. It was a joy talking to you today. Oh, hey, yeah. It was, it's been great being here. All right, guys. That'll do it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast. Listen, before you go, if you like anything I do on the show, I would appreciate it if you could give me a comment, a like, or subscribe on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on at this point in time. But as always, for the 100th time, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you. The Red Wall Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.